Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. This is episode 33. Well, hello. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> I'm back. This is Nate. Yes, I uh, took a short hiatus. Um, the, the details of which I will probably address elsewhere rather than... Um, forever embalmed them in the the archive the immortal archives of the podcast here <laughs> so uh as far as details on that uh, i'll probably share somewhere else maybe in a mastermind something like that but the topic on this week's episode is very interesting i am actually very excited to talk about this because we get to dive deeper than perhaps i ever have anywhere else about how the YouTube algorithm works, specifically about how it interacts with your content. Now, this was <clears throat> this was sprung from a uh, a thread in the Project Twenty Four community from the uh, from Project Twenty Four member Mountain Roots. If you're listening to this, I hope you are. Uh, this thread is called "Can a quote unquote viral video actually be hurting my newer content? Should I enlist it or start a new channel?" Now we have talked in the past about how. Um, the algorithm treats recency of data, and that means if a video in the past you published um, does really well, and it continues to do well over time, gaining subscribers and views, it can affect how the algorithm perceives your audience with your topic authority, as well as when you publish a new piece of content that doesn't fit that previous audience, it can be an issue in kind of cross-pollinating those two audiences because the profiles, the avatars of those two audience types just don't match. So this is definitely what's been going on with this channel. So um, in this study, he talks about, he's got a situation where, um, he was been doing, he's been growing a channel for a while and he created a piece of content a while back that was really not, mostly not related with the rest of the content on his channel. So I'm going to open it up. So, I, so the channel is kind of about living in the Appalachian, um, mountains, as far as I understand it in Appalachia, um, and just kind of their homesteading and experiences there. The, the channel is called mountain roots, by the way. So, but the video that really exploded for this channel, the channel right now has um, 3.25 thousand subscribers. The video in question has over 71,000 views, and he's saying more than half of the, I th and let, me, let me get my facts right here, nearly half of the 3,000 plus subscribers have come from that single video. And um, in the last 28 days, a significant, um, uh, more than half of the subscribers gained in the last 28 days on the channel. Now, as of when this was posted, this uh, thread in the community have also come from that same video. <clears throat> so the question was, people are subscribing. They're not watching the other content on my channel. And in fact, if you go to the channel, uh, you know, some of the other videos are getting significantly less. Um, well, actually most of them are getting significantly less than that. So the question is, what is this even doing? Like, do I, should I just get rid of that video? Should I unlist it? And as of recording this episode, he has gone ahead and um, set it to unlisted, the, the video in question, um, just to see if that helps. Because we did address this in the past and previous uh, podcast episodes, right? But the interesting thing for me here is there's a series of questions um, that they asked, Josh asks in this thread says, do I just try to brute force overcome the, the quote-unquote tractor beam of this one video by pushing out tons and tons of videos in the hope they get in front of more people at some point in the future, and who knows how long that could take, right? Um, because they're seeing the algorithms just not pushing out the videos to the right people. 
The, the second thing is, do I simply unlist the video to turn it off completely? Just turn off that influence on the rest of my channel's content or do I start a new test channel with all the new stuff that's just totally on point with the direction I know I'm going to take from here on going forward because the channel's been around for over a year now. Uh, do I start a brand new channel? <clears throat> Out of all these op options, which one should I choose? Now, there's a strong possibility that you uh, listening to this have experienced something very similar to what's being, being described here, which is why I wanted to bring it up here in a uh, podcast episode. Because, friend, this is... this. I'm going to perhaps challenge some of the assumptions or um, things that you may not have even realized about how the algorithm works, how it how it treats videos um, according to everything that I am seeing happen here. Now, in order to do that, I wanted to share a short little story here. I was listening recently to an interview uh, with Daryl Eves. Uh, he's a great YouTube guy. Um, and he was interviewing a guy who had a channel about, um, was it motorbikes? So motorcycles, motorbikes, that type of thing. And he was telling a story, the, the guest was telling a story about how he had, he was creating these videos where he would buy a certain motorbike, maybe it was the really cheapest one he could find, a motorbike from Amazon.com, or the really expensive motorbike, and and he would kind of tell the story of buying the motorbike, kind of um, setting it up, putting it together, opening the crate that it came in, or you know going to the place, buying it, and bringing it home, showing all the features, that type of thing. And then what he would do at some point in the video was he would turn on the motorbike, you know, he'd rev it up and then he would drive it for a while. And what he started noticing when he was looking at the data was that a lot of his audience would leave after he turned on the motorbike. And that did not make any sense to him. <laughs> he was thinking, wait, hold on. These are motorbike enthusiasts. These people like motorbikes. What the heck? Why are they, are they not interested in even in seeing the joy riding in me riding this motorbike? Are they, do they not even care about that? So he realized he so, and this was actually quite a big struggle he had for a while trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And, and I promise this is all tying back to the central theme here of, of how videos affect the audience and all of that. But what he started to see after time, what he realized there was more to his audience than just liking motorbikes. I hope you're paying attention here. Than just liking the topic. They cared about specific aspects of the topic. And he realized over time that they were there for what's called, oftentimes, an unboxing video. They wanted to just have the experience of unboxing a brand new motorbike. And once they got that experience and they saw, oh, he's just going to drive it around, I don't really care. They didn't care. They weren't there necessarily for the performance of the bike or watching him joyride or drive around town or all of those other aspects. They weren't there for that. They were there for, because they were there for an unboxing video. And when he started doing that, he was able to rearrange how he did his videos, cut out a lot of the just joyriding, start an entirely different channel for that aspect of it, the people that cared about that part of motorbikes. Um, and then he would put near the beginning of the video, kind of as a teaser, he would put him turning on the bike. Before it, any of the rest of the video, he'd turn it on, rev it a little bit just to get an exciting intro. And then he would move back to square zero of, hey, I'm going to go get this bike today. And because he rearranged those things, his channel took off in a big way. Now, it's important to note here, that channel was already doing well, quote unquote, well. I mean, it already had a lot of subscribers. It already had a lot of views. So we was able to make these types of 
in-depth data-based decisions because of the um, quantity of data he had. And in many cases with a smaller channel, we just don't have that luxury, but we do have the ability to do what I'm gonna outline in the rest of this episode here. Now, I wanted to share that story because I think we often think of our audiences as almost one-dimensional, sometimes two-dimensional. We, we fail to realize that they are, and I know this is going to sound obvious when I say it, but they're three-dimensional. <laughs> they're human beings. They have a lot of complex things that they themselves don't even understand. And they have a lot of complex interests and delivery and how they the, their intentions for consuming YouTube is a very complicated mixture of topic, the delivery, the personality of you as the channel host, uh, the, the how long the videos are, the visuals, the energy of the videos, and everybody has a different preference, a different mix of preferences on why they would watch YouTube. And so the algorithm has this extremely complicated task of trying to read people, which is very difficult, as you can imagine. And so they're getting better and better at this. But the, the best, to my knowledge, of what they're trying to do is, as we talk about in the YouTube system, they're trying to identify sectors or audience umbrellas of interests and dynamics of interests. So um, it, it, motorcycles would be a topic, right? Unboxing motorcycles, it would be a sub-dynamic of that topic, right? Uh, um, performance reviews of motorcycles would be another one. Comparisons of motorcycles, racing motorcycles, off-road motorcycles. Like you can, there's any number of dynamics that you could put under the broad topic of motorcycles. And so first step to check ourselves when we're creating content is, how many dynamics deep are we going with this? And I warned you, I'm going to get fairly advanced here. And if some of the stuff doesn't apply to you at this point, if you're still in the early stages where you're like, I just need to figure out how to make some videos, don't worry, come back to this episode in the future. But if you're at the point where you've created quite a few videos and you feel like you're ready to start digging deeper, this I want to address you here with the probably the remainder of this episode here. Because the dynamics of your audience will determine um, how 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 that video spreads, how the algorithm interacts with it. So here's how I like to think of it. You're a scientist discovering the right mixture for both the audience and you with your content. There's And with all of these dynamics, topics, archetype, all of these things, you're just discovering things. And I say that to kind of take some of the pressure off of it. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of this, it's just one day at a time, one step at a time. Uh, I, I think that we can often feel like, and myself included here, we can often feel like, well, why am I just not getting this? This is absurd when what we're trying to do is become a world-renowned concert pianist and play in Juilliard uh, or, or in the, what's that? I, I, the name escapes me, the very famous concert hall. Um, and we're trying to do that. We feel like we should be able to do that in a day or a month or even a year when really... Many of those people took years and years. And YouTube is just like that. You, you, if, you're, if you set out to learn music to play the piano, we'll just use that example, you've got to learn how to, you've got to develop muscle memory. You've got to learn how to read music. You've got to read all the, learn all the rules of music and the complexity of music. You've got to learn music theory. You've got to learn uh, any number of things. And it's the same with YouTube. It's, it's, you're learning a new set of skills. And it just so happens that it's a lot of things at once. 
what I want to talk about here is the, so you're a scientist discovering what those audience dynamics are because here, here's why this ties in to what I was saying here. You're the only one that can make the adjustments. You can't adjust your audience's preferences or dynamics. So if a video doesn't do as well with your audience, one of two things happened. One, you missed the mark. You just didn't read your audience right. And it's like, okay, I need to understand my audience better. I need to come back kind of to the drawing board and say, okay, why did this video not take off? Or two, it's possible that the algorithm misclassified your video. I'm going to come back to that here in in a few minutes. Let's talk about the first one. So the adjustments you make in, in discovering what you, you, the ability, the ability, I'm, I'm collecting my thoughts here. The ability you have to adjust to what your audience wants is your superpower. So when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I'm a scientist. I'm discovering, okay, what is it that my audience wants to watch? And you got to find the right mixture for matching them as well as what matches yourself. We're going to talk about them mostly in this episode. Um, so the often the adjustments you you are making includes discovering what makes, and I hope you pay attention to this, it includes discovering what makes an interesting video to watch. That is one of the biggest aspects of YouTube. And it's one of the things that every single person learns, especially hobby people, or, or if, um, I'll reference this homesteading uh, channel, that, that the thread that kind of started this whole conversation here. Oftentimes we'll go onto YouTube and we'll say, I need to, I, I want to share stuff with the world. You know, I've got this hobby. Let's say it's homesteading. I'm, I'm going to start just sharing stories about my life. But the big missing factor in a lot of cases is discovering what makes an interesting video to watch because it has to be interesting to somebody. It has to be interesting to enough somebodies to meet your goals as the channel maker for the growth of your channel and the monetization, all of those things. And so one of the number one ways to pivot and adjust and in that scientific discovery with the audience is discovering what makes an interesting video for them, the audience that I'm trying to target. Because bottom line here is if you make interesting videos, you've won YouTube. If you make interesting videos for an audience, I don't care what audience it is, you've won that audience on YouTube. That it's, it's inevitable. It, I am certain of that. The algorithm will surface and will bring your interesting videos to the right audience given enough time and enough data. So with that in mind, I wanted to challenge kind of the thinking, perhaps the mindset here of how you view your audience. So I want you to stop thinking about your group of subscribers as a group that you've somehow gathered. You haven't gathered a group of subscribers. It's more a proof of concept. And in fact, I'm going to address this a little bit later, subscribers and the, even the people that are in the subscriber pool of your channel don't matter as much as other factors. I'm going to come back to that here in a moment. But here's how I like to think of it. And I want you to visualize this. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes and visualize, it, visualize this. If you're working out uh, while you're listening to this, just take a moment to think about this while you're doing that, you know, 187th push-up that, you're, that you've got going here. <laughs> uh, so uh, here's how I see it. When you're publishing a video, I'm, I'm trying to reframe it so you can think about how the algorithm works a little bit differently here. When you publish a video, you've written your notes on a card. This is everything that's in this video, all of the production of the video. You've written on the card, and 
with your stationery or your channel. You know, it's you've, it's got your. Um, I think stationery is the right word. Is that the right word? It's the the where it's you've got your logo at the top and maybe your fancy framing, your signature at the bottom. Is, is that stationery? Okay, somebody correct me if I'm wrong here. But I so it's you. Every video you publish, picture it as a card. You've written it out. This is everything that's on the video with your stationery because it's coming from your channel, right? And the algorithm is taking your card and showing it to avatars of people. They're briefly giving an impression to an avatar of people. And they're, we need to remember it's individual. It's one at a time. You know, every if that person logs into YouTube on their phone or on desktop or anywhere... The impression is them essentially showing that video card, what you've created, to that person. Now, it might be folded up so they can't see what's in it yet. They just have the thumbnail and the title, right? And they're showing it to, depending on your audience size, a thousand people every second or, you know, a a thousand people in 24 hours, depending on, on how your channel has built up momentum over time. But they're showing this card to a bunch of people, okay? And now, if enough people choose to say, hey, I like that card and take it, you know, and open it up and watch the video, that's when the next phase of testing comes in with the actual performance. Um, how satisfied are people with that video? What's watch time? What's comments, interaction? All of those things. So we know that. I'm not going to dive deep into the analytics here, but to continue the visualization, if a bunch of people start taking that card from the algorithm, the, the, the algorithm t- makes a bunch of copies of this card and they show it to a bunch of people, if a bunch of people start taking them, the algorithm starts seeing, okay, a lot of these people have similar interests. Their avatar is similar. And so it seems like this type of person likes this card. They like this video. And so they say, huh, okay. So if that means if this smaller subgroup, if it shows it to 100 people first and 80 of them take the card, they say, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to try it with 1,000 people now. If 800 of them take the card. Okay, that's a really good indicator. I'm going to show it to 10,000 now. These are just example numbers just to help you visualize this. And so it goes back and it makes more copies. And it, I know it's not obviously, it's not making more copies of your video, but to stick with this visualization here, it goes and it makes more copies and it shows it to more people. Okay. And as it's showing it to more and more people, it's developing a better and better idea of what type of audience is interested in that card, in your video, okay? And so, there will inevitably reach a point where it starts showing cards to 100,000 people and a smaller amount of people start taking it and smaller and smaller starts realizing, okay, so this is it. This is pretty much the extent of this video's spread. Great, that's what we're going to do. Now, if future people come up in the future that... um, that have a similar avatar as far as the algorithm knows them as, then they're more likely to show your video to them because they say, well, hey, this one seems like it interests other similar people. I'm going to show it to them also. This is a very simplified version of how I understand it working. Okay, I hope you're on, you're following thus far. Now, it takes hints from previous performance and shows content to that group first. If it doesn't sell, it might just be stepping back and doing a more rudimentary impression search. So, so I'm, I'm just, I read off my notes there to make sure I said this correctly here. Because here's what I see happening. If you have, let's tie this into the example that started this conversation here. If you have a video that 
takes off, that goes mini viral for your channel. It's because it went through this process, it tested your video, and it found a group of people that were interested in this video. And what is it gonna do? It's gonna keep showing that video to that same group of people as they come onto YouTube, as they're searching for similar things, as they start building out their own profile with their audience behavior, um, that they like that type of video. And so it's gonna keep doing your work for you. That's actually a very good thing that YouTube keeps showing videos to the right people. That's good. That's your, one of your best friends about YouTube. Now, the issue is if the card that you gave to YouTube in that video doesn't match all the other cards that you have in your channel, what do you think is going to happen then? It's going to have a harder time because if, if the algorithm sees, okay, this one card from this channel does well, but if I show this other card to the channel, to, to the same audience, they say, nah, I don't want that one. It's going to be an issue. The other thing is, so it, what I see it doing at that point is it's, if, it, if a card, a video doesn't sell, if a lot of people don't accept it, what the algorithm will do oftentimes, it will step back almost to square one and say it's a more rudimentary, this is why I was reading off my notes here, a more rudimentary impression search where it goes back to saying, huh, okay, so we have this card. I don't know what audience this matches. I don't know. So I'm going to go back to square one. I'm going to start walking around. I'm going to start showing it to random people. <laughs> hey, you, you said you liked, you said you liked motorcycles. Um, this is a video. It's, I think there's a motorcycle in it. Are you interested? And the person says, nah, okay. So not just motorcycles. Maybe it's unboxing people. It goes and it shows that video to unboxing people. No, not that. I'm just pulling up examples out of the thin air here, but to show the visualization, it has to go back to kind of square one and say, I don't know who this video is for. Now, the reason why having a proven model for good content for, for you know, videos that you know work well on your channel is because the algorithm can shortcut the search for the right people. It can say, all right, so we got this profile of people that liked this video, this card, right? And it can say, okay, if they liked previous ones, I'm going to show it to them first and I'm going to show it to them fast. So if I've got a thousand people in my audience, uh, 800 of those people liked my previous video, I publish another video that seems to be pretty similar to the other video, according to the algorithm, the AI reading your video, reading the card, you know, and based off the previous experience it had with the stationary of your channel, it might say, okay, so this same group, I'm going to show it to that 800 first. Boom, it shows it to them. And if all 800 take it in this example, then it says, all right, good. We knew that worked. So that video is able to immediately get more audience than a video where you, the algorithm doesn't have a profile for your audience. I hope you're following what I'm saying here. This is a way of explaining that's it's kind of been in the works for a while for me here, a little behind the scenes here. Um, it's currently, uh, my current thought is I'm going to completely revamp update the uh, <laughs> the lessons in the YouTube system about the algorithm um, because there's so much more behind this that uh, just helps give insights into how to grow a channel. This is kind of some sneak preak, sneak preak, <laughs> some sneak preview stuff here. I'm, I'm hoping it's making sense thus far. If you have additional questions, please do let me know in the Project 24 community uh, and tag me in there just to let me know, hey, I have questions about this episode. Um, could you clarify this or that? That will be very helpful to me. Thank you. Okay, so if you have a proven model for publishing cards or publishing videos, then the algorithm can take those more quickly and take them to the right people more quickly. 
and it causes a momentum effect. It's very, very effective, okay? Because then what it will do is if it knows, okay, this same avatar people, this new video seems very similar, gonna show it to the same people, great, great. They liked it, awesome. Then it will continue to do the rudimentary impression search. What I'm calling that right now, I need to come up with a better <laughs> another, a better name for that. But it's the, the basics of while it's showing it to the hot audience that it thinks is hot based on previous data from your channel and performance, it's also taking that card out to a bunch of other people. And if it sees that another subgroup likes that, then it's going to say, oh, okay, I like that. They, they like that. Okay, let's try it. And it's going to do that same search, the, the same impression, giving lots of impressions and seeing how big is that subset of the audience and showing it to them also. It's basically judging the, how broad the appeal for your video is and measuring it. It's quite, quite effective at what it's doing. So if you have a smaller channel, you don't have as much data going for you. It's the great... It's the great uh, what do you call it? The ghost town curse of having a smaller channel. You don't have as much data going for you. So if you have a viral video, takes off, it did, the algorithm showed that video card to a bunch of people, it found the right audience, but then the rest of your content isn't that same audience. It's almost disjointed and it's, it's not necessarily that it's hurting the rest of your content. It's that the algorithm is back at square one with the rest of your content. It's back doing a rudimentary impression search with the rest of your content because it doesn't know yet. You haven't proven or shown that, it, that you have content that people like with the other content on your channel. I hope you're following what I'm saying here. So, the, um, I'm just looking at my here, impressions, audience matches. Ah, Okay. Now, here's, here's where I'm going to come back to the subscriber count thing and thinking about it less like a, um, it's just a group of subscribers that like, oh, these, this is my crowd. <laughs> this is my group of subscribers. I strongly think, and they've, YouTube's been pretty open about saying they don't necessarily look at subscribers as your audience avatar. They don't necessarily think that. And I think it's very wise that they do that because people's preferences change over time. And the other thing is, People subscribe for odd reasons. <laughs> you and I listening to this, we're, we're a bit more, uh, we're a bit more versed on how YouTube works. And so we're a bit better at subscribing to channels that we actually care about and actually want to watch more. And in general, I would guess that's why most people subscribe. But in a lot of cases, people subscribe to show support or they'll subscribe to almost as a bookmark and say, oh, that was an interesting video or a useful video. Maybe I'll come back to it in the future. I'm going to subscribe to the channel. And then they just literally never come back. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that people subscribe. And so I want you to just take some of the pressure off a bit about feeling like your audience is also your subscriber base. They're not necessarily the same thing. There's overlap, I get it, but just don't think of it as a gathered group of people that are your audience and you're somehow failing your subscribers versus the algorithm just actually showing in front of uh, audience behavior avatars. Audience behavior avatars matter much more than subscribers based on everything I'm seeing about how the algorithm works. So um, the algorithm has to take hints from the content to test it with different groups of people, regardless uh, if they're subscribed or not. That's just how it works. And that's actually a strength. So let's talk about what I talked about earlier about it's possible that the algorithm just missed the audience. They just missed the right audience. 
because back to this scenario or, or the uh, visualization I was saying, you create, you write out your card, you fold it up, it's got your stationery, and the algorithm runs with it. They t- make a bunch of copies, they show it to a bunch of people, right? What happens if they show that card to people that previously watched your content, the avatar group of people, the target avatar group of people that watched your previous stuff, they show that card to them and the audience, eh, just lukewarm response. What happens then? Does that mean that that video is total failure? Well, yes and no. <laughs> it was a failure for that audience. The the group of momentum, the, the, the umbrellas, the preferences that the audience had shown, it was a failure for them because it tested it with that group and then it didn't seem to do very well. Now, this is an interesting catch-22 because it could be... It's, it's easy for us as people creating content for YouTube to really try to please our core audience because then we do get that initial boost. We get that initial boost of the, audio, the, the algorithm says, hey, this thousand people really like their content. I'm going to show it to them first. Oh, they really like this video. Therefore, I'm going to spread it to more people. There is something to be said for that momentum and it does help. However, it's not the end all. And that's why I talk about more in the YouTube system and, and elsewhere in Project 24 about intentionally making videos for a certain type of audience, primarily. Now, it's great if you can make a video that fits both your core audience and new audience um, or do, and also does well in search, but sometimes it's time to just say, look, it's possible this card that I give the algorithm won't do as well with my core audience, and that's okay because the algorithm at start point, this, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, so bear with me here. Earlier on, I said it's possible you may have missed with your audience. So that's the first scenario. The second is the algorithm classified it incorrectly. And here's where it gets a little bit tricky. And this is where we're, we're kind of delving into the realms of pivoting and um, just changing your channel type or archetype. A lot of that. We could talk more about that another time. But what we're doing when we hand the algorithm a card that doesn't do as well with the core audience and even the subsets or, or the, as it spreads out, tries giving impressions is we're essentially saying, cutting it back to, okay, now we're back to a rudimentary ser- impression search. A rudimentary impression search. So it kind of has to go back to square one and say, okay, so I have this piece of content. It didn't really do well with this. I, I know what's in it, but I don't necessarily know how good it is. I don't necessarily know how, how entertaining it is. And therefore, it has to go back to testing over time. This is why videos, this is why I strongly suspect why videos, you'll see a random video take off a few months later. Why? Because in the interim, in between those times, it the algorithm's just doing rudimentary, <laughs> coming back to this rudimentary impression search, and it's just saying, okay, so it didn't do well with this audience. Let's try it again, try it again, try it again, try it again. And then if it starts to see, oh, Oh, okay, so I showed it to this group, and they seem to have a little bit better reception to it. Okay, I'm going to show it to more of this group. Oh, more reception to it. I'm going to show it to some more. More reception. That's why you'll see videos, exactly what I'm saying, um, explode later because it had to go back to square one and do the testing again. That's how I'm understanding it. To the best of my knowledge, this is how it's working. So another test was run with a different audience, and that proved to be a better audience than the initial test audience. Okay, now, um, as far as I understand, 
the algorithm uh, leans a lot on momentum. So if you have a larger channel, it means a few things. You have proven that you know how to make interesting videos, first of all. And also, you have a larger test group of people to test videos with more quickly. So it's a momentum aspect. So a larger, do larger channels have an advantage? Yes, I think they do <laughs> for both of those reasons because the algorithm has more to go off of and see, okay, a larger group, if a million people like this video, it's going to like the last 10 videos that they watched from this. And, and by liked, I don't mean just clicking the like button or booping the like button. I mean, they enjoyed it. They showed signs of satisfaction. If a million people liked the last 10 videos this channel published, you can bet it's going to quickly show the next video you publish to that same audience. It's in their best interest. They want to put good content in front of them. And so the algorithm doesn't have to go back and do a rudimentary impression search. It can immediately show that while it's simultaneously doing this impression search across all a variety of other audience avatars on YouTube. You following all of that? So with a smaller channel, you have a smaller group of people. And so that's why the hockey stick effect often happens with channels. This also is, I mean, this is very true of, of blogs, but we're going to talk about um, channels here. That's why the hockey stick effect often happens. It's because you'll see you don't have as much data. You don't have as large of an audience. And so it needs to test it more, test it more, test it more. And then the best case scenario in many of these cases is you'll have a video take off a little bit more. And if it does, and YouTube says, okay, this is good. I, I know I'm starting to get an idea of the audience avatar that likes this, this video. I'm going to start showing other similar videos from that same channel first. It's going to give a preference to, to that same channel, your same channel. And if those other videos do well, then you have what I call a channel explosion or what you could call a channel explosion. That's when you see, oh my gosh, like all of a sudden a whole bunch of things are taken off because we've established an avatar and you've shown proof of repeat watchers with your audience, with a new audience. That's how it works. And uh, that's, uh, there's more we talk on this. I mean, we could delve super in depth. Uh, let me know if you want to do a mastermind more on this, um, specific examples, all of that type of thing. But I'm hoping this was helpful to you. Uh, and thank you for listening to this. And we'll see you next time. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.